Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Healing Circle podcast. I'm Kobe. I'm Kyle. And we back. <laughs> My voice cracked. It's okay. It's I'm 13. Okay. Uh, run that? up, run up, get done up. Ay, ay, that was my Sorry, jam back in the day. That's the song that um, comes up. Yeah, it it is the anthem of my life at 13. For me, it's like very inappropriate, pretty Ricky songs. Remember that whole phase where people literally would be grinding on the floor? Are there any appropriate pretty Ricky songs? No. It, I yeah. don't. I look back at some of these songs and I'm like, this was beyond inappropriate for me to be singing. Yeah, some of those eighth grade dances really got Woo, out of control. Don't get it started. I hope no one from Canodal is listening to this. Yes. So today we decided that we're going to talk about triggers and how not knowing your triggers um, is ruining your life, literally, in every sense of the word ruin, or what Stewie would say, ruin. Wow. <laughs> I Kobe is obsessed with Family Guy. I Not used quite to be. Much it got anymore. a little too vulgar for me, but. But, like, there was, like, eight, I don't know. I think they're on, like, their 25th season. Kobe has seen every episode of, like, the first 19. Queen. Okay. <laughs> so, let's talk about what a trigger is in the first place. A trigger is a sensory flashback to a previous event that was traumatic or distressing. So the reason why um, I use the word sensory is like you can have kind of those flashbacks visually in your mind where you're kind of replaying the situation or the re- situations replaying by itself. Or you can have an experience where um, you are physiologically and neurologically having a flashback. Um, so for some people, those neurological flashbacks might be them getting really irritable in a situation that doesn't warrant anger and them not knowing why. So in the place of like that visual flashback, they are having that physical anger or like that overwhelming sadness, like Mm kind of like when someone passes away and that time of year comes back around and you don't even notice and you're just like, I'm just sad. Like, I just don't feel happy. You know, I just feel down. I'm more exhausted. Um, Yeah. For some people, it's hunger. (laughs) No, really, though. Like they so can, you're saying like hangry is more than just being hangry? For some people, oh. yes. That was a great example. Do yes. you think you might be one of those some people? I feel like you're trying me right now. No, I, I, just, <laughs> I feel you like know, you're just trying to come I'm wondering. Um, well, you know what? If I'm being honest, yeah. I think that there was a time in my life where I definitely, especially in college, where like I definitely ran to food for comfort and... Yeah, I gained some LBs in college. I really did. And I think that... Nah, bro, you was thick as a snicker. Okay. Yeah. I don't think that's appropriate. Yeah, yeah. Thick as some cold peanut butter, girl. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Bad I, as a two-year-old. I'm so sorry you guys are hearing this. Um, yeah, but I did run to food, so that, that actually is pretty accurate. Um, I feel like I felt a little checked because I feel like I still kind of do run to food. So mm. I can be hangry... Um, because my body is hungry. But, like, I feel like hangry as a trigger um, that is, like, reminding you of a time where you felt like you had no one but food is most noticeable when you clearly just ate a whole meal from Olive Garden. You ate all the breadsticks, the salad, the Mm -hmm. ravioli. You got two refills on your lemonade, and you get home an hour later, and you're like, hmm, those cookies look good, (laughs) you know? Yeah. And you want to eat them, and you want to engage um, in eating just because it satisfies something emotionally, right? So um, there are three main components to 
triggers, right? Rather, two, three main ways that we respond to triggers neurologically. I'm sure you guys have heard of these before. That's um, fight, flight, and freeze. So I think we all know that fight, flight, and freeze are things that happen, but yeah. I don't think we understand the function of them because everything really has a function. <clears throat> Excuse me. Everything has a function. So I'm going to go through what the function of fight, flight, and freeze are and help you guys realize that we can understand what our trauma is, almost tracing backwards. Like we mm. can start with the triggers, right? Um, and trace back all the way down to like our core traumas if we're aware of how we respond to certain external stimuli. Yeah? Yeah. So um, when you're flight fighting, not flighting, when you're fighting... You are resisting something, right? When you are fleeing or flight, you're avoiding something. And when you're freezing, you're withdrawing from something. So um, the difference between fighting, fight and flight, um, and fight being resisting something and flight being avoiding something, is when you're fighting something, you are resisting it intimately, right? So hmm. fight for a friendship might be your friend says something and you don't agree with it. And it triggers something that, you know, a parent may have said or a bully may have said, and you decide to cuss them out, <laughs> you know? Wow. Okay. I, I mean, not saying this is not what I do, guys, but I'm just saying like someone who's triggered, right? Yeah. You might find yourself getting really verbally aggressive or even physically aggressive with someone. Yeah. You're, you're, you're intimately engaging with the resistance, right? Got you're it. intimately um, engaging with like the the ways that you want to deny whatever you feel like that person's bringing up in you. And when it comes to flight and you're avoiding something, that's a passive resistance, right? That's your friend says something that really annoys you and you decide not to text back. Or the next three times they're like, hey, let's hang out. You're like, oh, I'm tired. Yeah. I don't feel very good. Yeah. Um, and when you think about freeze, when I think about freeze, because I think this is me, freeze about is about withdrawing from whatever situation you're being triggered by. Hmm. And that's me mindlessly scrolling on the phone when you're having like a conversation with me that I don't want to have. Yes. <laughs> yes. It caused some friction early in our relationship because <laughs> we'd be talking about something serious or an argument or a way that we just weren't connecting. And as sure as God is alive, mm -hmm. her phone would come out and just scrolling. And I'm scrolling not even, sometimes I'm tapping. not even looking at it. I'm literally like looking forward and just scrolling and having to realize for myself, like, oh, that is a trigger response. Like, that is how I can withdraw emotionally from a conversation that, like, may be taxing to me mm -hmm. or maybe something I feel like I'm not ready to address, right? Yeah. Um, if I decide to fight, I would, you know, be like, I'm not ready to talk about this and go off or whatever. Mm -hmm. If I'm... <laughs> these are you examples, go off? Kyle. What? No. These are examples, Kyle. Don't come for me. <laughs> Do not come for me, sir. Um, if I was engaging in flight, I would just be like, oh, I'm so tired, babe. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I need to go to sleep. Yeah. You know, or I have to stay at the office really late. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes me think about how so many people don't realize that they're being triggered because there's such this uh, 
there's this poor explanation in the media of what triggers are. Hmm. I think people think that triggers are like hiding under a table because you've heard bombs go off and now you're hearing fireworks, which it is. But it's not only that. Right. And a lot of us don't even realize that we are living our lives around our triggers. Yeah. Like there's also like within the media, especially like social media, there's a whole lot of terms that have been weaponized by influencers that mm, are well-meaning, but don't know what they're talking don't about. Don't actually know like the neurological and biological foundations of what they're talking about. Yeah. So yeah. they'll talk about triggers. And because it's sort of like, well, Christianity is in some ways very similar. You have people that don't have a real lived, learned, or um, intentional experience with whatever they're talking about. They misportray it, and then they create a stigma or a stereotype about what that thing is mm. that does not actually make sense in the real world. Yeah. And then the very real thing that they're talking about um, to the to the folks that have learned about this kind of fake stereotype they now have no confidence in whatever is being said. Mm. I.e., like, I used to believe, before I met you, I used to believe that triggers were things that weak people used to get out of having to own the reality of their the consequences of their actions. Mm. Instead of yeah, saying, yeah, yeah. I shouldn't have cursed at you, they say, oh, well, you triggered you me. You triggered me, yes. Or I went off on so-and-so because they really triggered me. Yeah. Or, you know, you can't you can't disagree with my opinion because it, it's going to trigger me. Yeah. Now, those are, that's a real thing. Like, it that is. is a psychological reality. But there's yeah. also, there's a, there's a lack of care in, in even using the term and, and, and talking about it and engaging with it because there's a lack of, understanding of of the depth of what it really means and then mm. it cheapens it and there so, needs to yeah. be there needs to be um kind of like a a a switch in the way that we communicate not you triggered me i was triggered right because this a trigger is always tied to a past event yeah that person may have said something that brought up the past event but they did not create the past event yeah you know, and so I think that the idea that like, oh, like you triggered me almost takes on this mindset that the other person is responsible for that yes, trigger being yes. there. But that's not the case. And I think for a lot of people, the idea of not knowing their triggers is ruining their lives because they do not know that they're avoiding the very thing that their brain is constantly reminding them needs to be fixed. Yeah. Because a trigger is a foundation. It's it's your brain telling you there is disorder like help it's yeah. your brain's cry for help and most people are like well i'm just gonna move around this barrier move around this issue rather than to address it and the point is to address it that's why your brain keeps bringing it up that's why you can't stop thinking about the way you were betrayed by someone that's yeah. why you can't stop thinking about the things your dad said that's why you replay over and over again the time your partner walked out because your brain's like help like i need something to satisfy this i need something to deal with this like this needs attention yeah and i think there's a you know there's a very clear difference between an explanation and an excuse mm. right like it's the world we live in really tries to muddy the waters between those two and and trigger or being triggered or having a triggering event is one of those kind of catalyst that it's really yeah, hard to understand especially within a relationship friendship marriage dating whatever whatever have you um how can you tell when you are using your trigger as an explanation versus um as an excuse 
well, um, explanation, it's, it's all about where the burden of responsibility is placed, just like you said. Yeah. So if, if a trigger is being used as an explanation for your behavior, then it should end with, with the burden of the responsibility of correcting that behavior being on the person who was triggered. Yep. Not the triggerer. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, so for instance, we talked about this before. <laughs> it's kind of funny, but it, it just kind of encapsulates how real this, this sort of is. So I get irrationally angry at Kobe when she eats Levi's snacks. <laughs> I'm like, one bite for me, one bite for you. One bite for me, one bite for you. We'll buy applesauce. We'll buy fruit, fruit snacks. snacks. That's my jam. Especially the fruit snacks. And I'll walk in the house, and she's got, like, two pouches, like, open, just discarded on the floor. Like, <laughs> Levi's not home. <laughs> Why are his snacks being eaten? Or and, he'll be like, hey, like, can you grab Levi an applesauce? I'll be like, there's no more. And he's like, but I bought some yesterday. And I'm like... Like I said, there is no more. <laughs> and it, I don't even see. I'm, I'm about. I'm being triggered right I'm now. Sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm, I'm irrational. I recognize I'm he irrationally so upset. And Kobe finally was like, "Why are you so upset?" And I'm like, "Because you're eating his stuff." Granted, it'd be one thing if this were a consistent theme in my life. If it was like. I hated when people ate my food, if I was the sort of person that never ate anyone else's food. Yeah. But that's not me. Anyone that knows me, if you got food around me or a drink around me, that's mine. Yeah. You yeah. know, like If it's I'll, within arm's reach, it's now his. I will ask you um, if you wanted it after I finished it, right? Mm-hmm. So I, it's not like I have these clear boundaries everywhere in life. It's just in this one area. Yeah. And she was like, you know, like, you're not mad. Like, you're angry. Yeah. Like, are you... Did I do something? Like, because you're angrier than what this moment really should be. Yeah. Like, at the end of the day, we're worries. talking about fruit snacks. Yeah. You know, it's like a pack of six for $2.50 or whatever. Like, it's it's not that big of a deal. And as I began to process, okay, well, that you're right. Like, that is an irrational response relative to what's actually happening in the moment. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, I said, oh, well, it just I, annoys me because... I was like, did something happen in your childhood? Yeah, yeah. and I was like, <laughs> hey, bro, don't, don't do your counselor thing with me, all right? You're going to turn, you know, you eating fruit snacks into something happened to me when I was younger. But then... <laughs> I was like, no. And I was like, well, it just reminds me of my dad. My dad, who is an amazing dad, but he has his flaws just like everyone else. We would go out to eat or whatever. Everyone has their leftovers. They bring it back to the house. And if you did not hide it, if you did not, like, obscure it, like, we'd have to put our food in different packages and stuff. There were all these things we went through to try and get my dad to not eat, um, (laughs) to not eat our food. Yeah. And sure enough... We would come home, and the thing that you were thinking about all day at school, like, oh, man, I, I left some wings at home. As soon as I get home, I'm a microwave. You know, like, I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm not going to go 20 seconds. I'm going to go 23 seconds. Like, you know, like, you really. High. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they'd be gone. Mm. And that moment, that's not like abuse. Yeah. And my dad Never. would say, like, oh, I bought it. Like, it's all mine. Like, very classic black parent stuff of, like. Yeah. That's don't, not your don't room. Get buck that's with, my room. Yeah, don't get buck with me. Like, that's my money. That's really my food. You borrow, you're borrowing these resources, which I kind of agree with. Mm-hmm. But 
that moment or that reality with my dad reminds me of a real trauma. That real trauma being I was abused when I was younger. I I changed. Um, I wasn't abused by my parents or anyone like, you know, anything like that, but that's part of my, my history. And I changed. My interactions changed. The way that I presented myself changed. Mm. I was clearly different. Mm. My parents didn't really catch up on it. Mm. They didn't really notice it. There were some pieces where they did, but for the most part, they kind of missed it. That's not their fault. They have four kids and a whole bunch of stuff going on. But to go back to the beginning, the moment when, when Kobe takes Levi's food reminds me of my dad taking my food, which reminds me of this reality that I hate to my core, that adults do not typically view children as actual human beings mm. very often. Mm. Like as, as thinking, functioning, autonomous creatures that have their own context that makes sense within their world. Yeah. Not Kyle changed because he's a kid and he's 10 or 11 and hormones have come along yeah. and now he's different. Yeah. That's kind of true, but really I changed because something happened to me yeah. and no one really noticed. Mm. And that that bothers me. Mm. I'm not mad at my parents. I, how could they have yeah. really noticed? I mean, or they weren't trained to notice. Yeah, yeah, they grew yeah. up in a culture where, ch- where children were just kind of fixtures until they became a certain age. You yeah. took care of them. They were great parents to me. So it's not about them, but just to show, like, how something small, like Kobe eating Levi's food, for me, triggers this great response that goes back to a deep trauma. Yeah. Left to my own devices, I'll leave it at, like, oh, I just don't like that. Yeah, yeah, and I think that what where lots of us are catching up and missing, like you kind of took it from the soil down to the root. And a lot of us are experiencing life from the soil up to the fruit. Hmm. And I think for a lot of us, the fruit of that is now we, we dislike people for irrational reasons. Yeah. Right. Because you could have then looked at me and projected your peculiarities onto my character and said, I don't like Kobe because she's a blank, blank kind of person. Yeah. Right. And now we're estranged, but we're called to be united. Right. And that's just not a marriage thing. That can be a friendship thing. Right. There could be a friend who does something super tiny that triggers like a greater foundation in your traumatic past. And now you're estranged from them. But God's called you to do life with that person. You know, and I think that that's why I say, like, not knowing your triggers, it ruins your life. It really does. It keeps you from the life that you want. And we have a vulnerable environment, right? Yeah. But what happens when this happens on the job? Yeah. What happens when this happens to a superior? Mm-hmm. What happens when this happens in a leadership context in church, you know, yep. in an organization, right? Yeah. And what happens is people's characters, people's identities now are defined by you based on your trauma and your triggers. And truly, they've done nothing, right? Yeah. But because you haven't addressed your trauma and your triggers, because you haven't taken the time to develop an eye and discernment for the nuances that are peculiar to you, now other people are always the villain and you're the victim. Yeah. And I I think it highlights, it's a small story, but I think it highlights the necessity of having community who is trustworthy. Yeah. Now that's easier said than done, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But I could have... I could have brushed off Kobe's statement 
did some her joking statement because she was kind I was of joking. joking. Yeah, I was just like, did something happen in your childhood? Um, but because of the trust and the respect that she's built in me, I don't dismiss anything that she says mm. at first glance. Yeah. I always at least do a cursory like inspection of yeah. like, is that a thing? Because yeah. she's built so much trust with me. Yeah. Um, and if she if I didn't have that, then it would have just turned into. Probably me being triggered, mm-hmm. me being angry at her for yeah. discounting my feelings. Persistently angry at me. And it becoming a thing that takes us further away from each other rather mm. than something that we can we can grow together in. Yep. So now, she may do it. Um, she still does eat his snacks. Mm-hmm. My response, the burden of responsibility is not on her to not eat snacks, though you probably shouldn't do that. Um, <laughs> it's on me to recognize, Kyle, you're angry. But you're not angry at Kobe. You're angry at this reality in the world that makes you feel like children fundamentally, especially in our community, the communities of color and minority and poverty that we all kind of in some way transgenderally come from, if you're black, um, that these communities unknowingly strip humanity away from children and Mm. things are just missed. Yeah. Not because anyone's evil, not because yeah. anyone doesn't care, but they just get missed. Yeah. And we live in a world full of black and brown men and women who are, you know, struggling under the burden of traumas from their childhoods that their mm. parents never wanted them to face. Yeah. But they just missed because they weren't real people. Yeah. And now the people in their lives are carrying those burdens and not even knowing, like, why. Yeah. Right? Like, not even knowing that you're carrying the relational burden of somebody else and it just puts you in a position where you're you're perpetually estranged from people mm. you know like our our triggers are meant to expose our deepest wounds and to reveal our deepest needs right your yeah. deepest wound was feeling like you weren't seen well yeah. how do we how do we correct that well it means that being seen is a deep value for you yeah like being humanized is a deep value for you yes that's a great way to put it look at you you should do like you should be like a therapist or something. You know, You'd be really good this. at that. Yeah, I'm doing this sometimes, you know. Um, and I think for a lot of us, we can't even get to the part that I just mentioned because we don't know how to define the difference between disliking something and be tr- being triggered by mm. it. Right. I almost said amen. You know what? <laughs> amen. <laughs> And that's something I have to walk through with my clients. They'll be like, well, I I just don't like when people do that. And I have to press. I have to be like, why? Why? Why does that bother you? Mm -hmm. Why is that something? Well, it just makes me feel like, uh, okay, what does uh feel like? It just makes me feel kind of disgusting. Okay, why why does that feel disgusting? Well, it kind of makes me feel like they think they can, like, just do whatever they want with me. Okay, well, when does that happen to you? Well, you know, when I was a kid... A, B, C, D, E, F, G. Yeah. Right? Something as small as, like, not liking someone handing them their phone. I've had a client be like, I hate when people hand me my phone. Mm -hmm. Tell me where it is, and I will go get it myself. Because her privacy as a child was invaded so, like, that boundary was so vehemently disregarded that it's like, I don't even trust you to touch something that has information that's pertinent to me. Yeah. You know? And so... For many of us, like, I know for me, I'm realizing that my relational triggers keep me from taking the entrepreneurial risk that God's called me to take mm. because you have to interact with people. And I always want to do things alone. Yeah. 
And like part of that is good and holy and reflective of my trust and faith in God. But also part of that is I don't trust people um, when they have power to not abuse it with me. I don't have trust always, you know, with people that if they have an opportunity to speak about me in my absence, that they'll say something positive. Right. Like my fear is that like in my absence, if someone's connected to something I'm doing, they're going to find a flaw before they find something to praise. And so there's almost like this plateau I'm experiencing, you know, which is why it was huge for me to say, I'm going to do this podcast with you. Like I want to invite you into not just like you joining, but you doing this with me because there was such a long time where I felt God, like I have all these dreams, all these visions. And God was like, you can't do it alone. Like, I won't let you because instead of addressing my issues with trusting people, I was just avoiding it. Yeah. So many of us are avoiding, avoiding, you know, we're just, we're just moving around our triggers and forgetting that our triggers are literally reminders that something needs to be dealt with. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're the flashing, you know, kind of warning side. They're the Mm -hmm. check engine light of, um, of our lives. And the truth is there's so little there's so much ignorance around mental health. I mean that in the technical term of the word ignorance, not as a slight, yeah. but there's just a lack of knowledge. Mm-hmm. And I'm privileged. I married I married a counselor. Now, she's, she's licensed. She went to school. She's got a bunch of degrees. She's super smart. But she was That's a counselor great. way before she ever had a degree. She was a better counselor than all the other therapists I've met thus far, but one y'all, long before me. she... If y'all no, see me with a big head, just know... It started at home. She, listen, she knows. First of all, anyone that knows me knows that I don't praise. um, I don't offer my praise easily because I don't believe most individuals are worthy of praise. I don't believe I'm worthy of praise. Um, So I only, you know, I only say what I really believe or what I think can be defended. Um, But for those of you that haven't been privileged and blessed to be married to Kobe, if I mess it up um, and she, for whatever reason, leaves me, everyone out there needs to. I would never. To, I'm just Why saying. Would you, say that? you know, I'm just saying. There's a good thing going out here. So if I mess it oh up, sw- you know, y'all better move quick because uh, <laughs> oh, it's a limited God. commodity. Um, but for those of you that maybe uh. don't have that, I think it's important to have some conversations with your friends and ask them, "Hey, what do you think I get irrational about?" Yes. Because whoa. I guarantee your friends know. Your yeah. friends know your triggers, even yeah. if they don't know their triggers. Yeah, yeah. And that's the that's the quintessential, well, you know how she is with that kind of stuff. Yes. Well, you know how he is. Just just don't bring up blah, blah, blah. Just don't talk about blah, 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 because you know how she gets. Yeah. Right? Or like when you're in a group chat and then people start talking to each other outside of the group chat <laughs> to figure out how they're going to respond to you inside of the group chat. Like that yeah. is people navigating around your triggers. And like there is, when you you are in deep and abiding community there is a grace um and there is a season for people walking around your deepest pain yeah right because like the reality is sometimes you need to be able to see it for what it is and just observe it before you can address it and yeah. part of that is being able to say to friends hey i'm so sorry i struggle with committing to going out and hanging out with people because i really struggle with trusting people yeah so like if i say no um you know, let me say no a couple times. And, you know, if, it, if it's been four or five times, really press the issue. But I really do need space to heal because part of healing is like just existing. Yeah. Right. Like the, if we have a cut or a wound and we keep agitating it, it elongates the healing process. Yeah. And so like 
for a lot of people, they do need that season of healing and your community is meant to provide that for you and encourage you in that and allow you to remember that you don't always have to be working immediately, but also they're meant to help you see where your wounds are when you can't tell. Yeah. Because some people have been triggered and traumatized for so long that they think what they're experiencing is normal. Mm. It's just my personality. Mm -hmm. And it's so seductive for someone to ask a question or for something to come up and us just say, well, it it just is. You know, like, why does that upset you? It, I don't know. It's just, it's upsetting. It just does. You know, anytime someone asks you why you're angry and your only answer um, the only answer you can provide points back to the fact that you're angry. Mm. You're likely being triggered. Mm. If you can't actually dis- like discern and describe and explain why you're angry from the beginning to the end, there's a good chance that gap, wherever you're not able to do it, there's some trauma there that or or something. There's something there that needs to be addressed. Yeah. And you know, I would I would say as we're all kind of investigating what it looks like to live a more mentally healthy lifestyle, we start falling in love with questioning ourselves, questioning the way that we believe um, about everything, yeah. and questioning whether our our reasoning for existing, for acting a certain way, is actually a reason or if it's just a cop-out. Because yeah. I would bet that for many of us, the things that make us most um, upset, it's hard to actually pinpoint where that begins. Yeah. And that should be a huge red flag. Yeah. And that's the value of therapy, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, there's some people who can really do this investigative, self-reflective work, um, and they can do it because they have social support, which is, you know, the greatest um, indicator or greatest predictor of resilience yeah. across all races and genders is if you have people who do life with you, you are more likely to be able to develop insight, heal, and develop resilience. But if you don't have that, that's what therapy is for. And even if you do have that, but your people around you are experiencing their own things and struggling to figure out what that is for you because they're struggling to figure out what it is for them, like yeah. that is that is why you go to therapy. Therapy is not a place where someone goes to fix you. It's a place where someone go where you go and someone can provide you the resources to help yourself heal, yeah. right? Like, I am walking with you as you heal yourself, as you do the things that help you become a better person to live a life more congruent with your values. And I think there's so many of us who have these lives, these dreams, these passions in our hearts, and we don't even realize why we can't break these habits, and these yeah. habits are built in avoidance of these triggers. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, this is um, this is <laughs> this is one of those subjects that uh, the longer I even think about it, the more I recognize. Oh man, I've really got I've got some hard work. Yeah, ahead of me. yeah, yeah. Which can kind of be a little it's it's exciting, but in some ways kind of frustrating. Yeah. Um, I think the last you know the last conversation I had with um my therapist, uh, second greatest therapist in America, y'all, Doctor Carlos Todd. Yeah. My dude. Yeah, um, in Charlotte, North Carolina. In Charlotte, NC, the yeah. truth, the homie. Yeah. yeah. Um, big deal Todd is what I call him. It annoys him, so that makes me happy because <laughs> uh, he's a big deal. Yeah. Um, but he's, you know, we're working through the reality that there are some things that are broken in me that God is fixing um, and allowing me resources to heal. 
but that it's people say like oh it's a marathon not a sprint but the truth is in my life very few things have ever had to be a marathon for me Mm. for most of my life if I actually committed myself to it and I, I genuinely put all of my heart soul and effort into it things changed relatively quickly. And he's mm. like, hey, listen, you need to change your expectations of what healing looks like in your life. This may not be a two-year journey. This may be a two-decade journey. Mm. You need to build your life in the way that you look at healing around what can be consistent mm. before you look at what can change yeah, all of your behaviors. Yeah, what can be completed. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, this is... You need to build a foundation that you can stand on for the rest of your life. This yeah. may be a lifelong journey. It took 20 years of trauma and unredressed, um, unaddressed issues yeah. to bring you to this point. It yeah. may very well take twice that long um, to heal every single thing. It could be much shorter as well, but there's a reality that like this is a lifelong journey. Yep. And because it's so long, yep. you cannot do it alone. Yeah, yeah. And this lifelong journey begins with awareness, right? It begins with, like, emotionally putting on your running shoes and being aware that there's there's something you need to start working on, you know? Yeah. yeah. So we hope that this episode helped you guys understand the ways that triggers can show up in your life, the ways that triggers can look a lot more muted than what the world says mm-hmm. triggers are. Um, if you want to be able to develop awareness, visit our website. The link is going to be in the show notes. Um, I try to make sure that I provide resources for people who are a part of our Patreon um, so that you guys can work on this stuff to learn it and put it to practice. So visit the show notes, click the link, um, join our Patreon for as low as $5 a month. And yeah start healing yeah if we get to a thousand um patreon uh members i will uh i'll do like a whole rap video or something i cannot right (laughs) i cannot i dressed up as cisco um to you know wacky tacky day in eighth grade i spray painted my uh my hair silver i wore a vest it was a big deal you guys may be able to get that treatment after a certain amount of Patreon subscribers. So I'm just saying, there's there's a lot to look forward to. Join the circle. Join the circle. It's an awesome community of people who do life with us um, virtually and physically who are committed to healing. So, yeah. We'll talk to you guys soon until the circle comes back around. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning into the podcast. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. It really helps people figure out who we are and what we're doing and gets the podcast out to a wider audience. Also, we have just launched a Patreon. In that, you'll have access to guided meditations, spiritual discipline sessions, even some live Q&As about mental health. And most importantly, you'll actually get first dibs to merch. Um, If you've ever looked at our website, uh, you'll see a Protect Your Peace hoodie. That'll be dropping soon. So visit the show notes and join the family.